This show is brought to you by Boise State Public Radio in Idaho, along with the Mountain West News Bureau, a public media collaboration. So I am in Sublette County in Wyoming. It's about five o'clock in the morning, and I am hoping to God Nellie, the 96 Chevy diesel pickup truck, starts so I can go and record sage grouse that are mating here right now. I'm just outside of Pinedale, Wyoming, which is in the southwestern part of the state. And to get here, I drove through miles and miles of open sagebrush country, just harsh, windswept landscape all around me, not a whole lot going on besides ranching and extracting stuff from the earth coal, oil, and around the Pinedale area, a whole heck of a lot of natural gas. This area is known as the Jonah Field, one of the largest natural gas plays in the country. And bad coincidence, it's also one of the last strongholds of sage grouse. So that's why I'm here. And I am hoping to God this works. Yes, Nelly, I fucking love you. Oh, God so happy. She really doesn't start well in cold weather. As you've probably figured out by now, this whole sage-grouse issue is pretty darn complicated. And so are the people, with all their different backgrounds and motivations, who are trying to figure out how to keep these birds around. There aren't just good guys and bad guys in this story. And I guess that's kind of how I used to cover environment stories on the radio. With just three or four minutes of airtime, I'd do my best to work in comments from both sides if I could, right? The environmentalists were pretty much always happy to talk to a public radio journalist. But on the other side, I'd be lucky if I got an emailed statement from the fossil fuel industry. Usually it was just declined to comment, and I'd put that in my story. So it was important for me in making this podcast to try to sit down with the natural gas industry, to really visit as folks in the country do. Because no matter how you feel about it, the natural gas industry is an important player in our national energy supply and in the future of sage grouse. So can the two coexist? I'm Ashley Ahern, and this is Grouse a show about the most controversial bird in the West and what it's taught me about hope, compromise, and life in rural America. At this early hour in the morning, there are already pickup trucks on the road, mainly gas field workers heading to job sites. But I'm headed in a different direction, out to a sage-grouse mating site, or lek, to meet up with a scientist named Matt Holleran. Matt's been studying the sage-grouse population here in Wyoming for more than 20 years. Basically, trying to understand what happens when you extract oil and gas in sage-grouse habitat. Matt's waiting for me in his truck on the side of the road. Hi, Matt! He waves and pulls out, and I follow him down a dirt road through the sagebrush. He's taking me to the Speedway Lek. It's one of his favorite sage-grouse mating sites. Looks like he's pulling over. Oh, down into the sagebrush we go, Nelly. I can see the snowy Wind River Mountains to the east, the sunlight just slowly beginning to light them from behind. 
Matt and I stand on the side of the dirt road, talking quietly so we don't disturb the birds. I hear them, Matt. I hear it. Leck is about 250 yards from the road where we're parked, so it's hard to hear the birds, but I can just barely see them. Gray, lumpy shapes moving back and forth in a grassy open patch in the sagebrush. The males are showing off as the females watch from the sidelines. Sagegrouse will come back to the same lek to mate year after year, and so will their chicks, generations of birds convening at the same place to dance and fight and mate. female grouse flies overhead on her way to the lek. Matt probably studied her mother and maybe her grandmother too. This is a really important place for him. He and his wife Allison met trapping birds on this lek in the mid-90s for their master's and PhD research. They named their first daughter Sage. I... There's... Is there something comforting about coming back to these birds every year and that they're still here doing their thing no matter what's been going on in your life wherever you are (laughs) yeah yeah there is it's uh it's comforting and, and it's it's also i mean almost like you're documenting the the demise of a species in a given spot Sage-grouse are declining across the West for a lot of different reasons, as we've talked about in other episodes of this show. Wildfires, overgrazing, invasive grasses. And here in this part of the world, oil and gas extraction is part of that picture, too. And that's where Matt's focused his research over the years. For his PhD, Matt tracked birds on leks within the gas field and compared their behavior with birds on more secluded leks, like this one. Male sage-grouse will go back to the same lek for their entire lives as they try to establish dominance and basically rise up through the ranks, fight off other males, and become the alpha who gets to breed with the most females. Even as new gas wells were being drilled nearby, Matt found that males would keep going back to the same lek year after year. But what Matt also found is that young males, the next generation, If they were hatched in an area near a gas field, they were less likely to go to leks where their parents met. They'd instead move to leks farther away from the wells, like this one. So if this lek was, if there was a male that was hatched between here and the gas field, and there was a lek that was closer to the gas field that he could establish territory on versus this lek that was further from the gas field, there's a higher likelihood that he established on this lek. Matt found the leks in the gas field weren't recruiting new young males, so they were fading away, basically blinking out one by one. The leks that were within, within the gas field proper declined precipitously. Mm-hmm. 
So what is it about oil and gas extraction that makes the birds leave? Okay, three key factors if you look at the research on the issue. First, it chops up the landscape. If you fly over the Jonah Field, that's the big oil and natural gas development in this part of the state, you see the drill pads dotting the landscape like chicken pox, thousands of them. And sage grouse need wide open, undisturbed places. Next, noise. Drilling and then an increase in truck activity and roads can disturb the birds. And finally, power lines and structures can provide perches for birds of prey that will pick off grouse and their young. But it's complicated, right? What do you do with this information? The oil and gas industry has a lot of power in Wyoming. It's one of the major economic drivers in the state, though revenues have been declining in recent years. Taxes on oil and gas still contribute hundreds of millions of dollars to the state's coffers. And these companies fund universities and research, like Matt's. If a company wants regulatory approval to drill new wells, they have to go through an environmental review process. And as part of that process, they'll pay scientists like Matt to do research on the potential environmental impacts of the new wells. So I worked pretty closely with energy companies during my PhD work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've gotten money through uh, the energy companies consistently. Mm-hmm. Do you ever have conflicting feelings about that? I have not. No. And I've... I have been straightforward and haven't shied away from my my beliefs. Like like any scientist or any good scientist, the data show what the data show. Yeah. They don't show everything. I'll err on the side of the bird in where the data are inconclusive. But where the data are conclusive, you know, this is what it says. And so I haven't had a I haven't had a problem and I've been straight up. So I don't bring this up to throw shade on Matt or call his research into question in any way. He is certainly not the only scientist who's been funded by industry. And he also does contract work for environmental groups. That's the way things work for so many researchers, whether they're independent or affiliated with universities. Fundraising is part of the game, even if people don't like to talk about it. Bottom line though, You don't go into sage-grouse research to make the big bucks. And Matt is well-respected by people I've spoken with on all sides of the sage-grouse issue. We stood together watching the sage-grouse for a few hours, and as their partying wound down and the sun rose over the Wind River Mountains, I headed into town for an interview I'd been gearing up for for a while. How's audio? Uh, it sounded pretty good. Just a little bit, but yeah, no, I think that's going to be good. Good. Um, could you start by telling me your name and how I should introduce you to listeners in the story? Sure. My name is Paul Ulrich. I am vice uh, president of Jonah Energy. Jonah is one of the largest natural gas companies operating in Wyoming. I reached out to Paul Ulrich months before I came out here. And to be honest, I assumed he wouldn't agree to an interview. Industry often doesn't have a lot to gain from sitting down with journalists to talk about environmental issues. But Paul invited me to his home, and we sat on his porch and talked from a safe distance. And where are we right now? Right now we're in Pinedale, Wyoming. 
<laughs> God's country. <laughs> what did they say? All the civilization you need. That's right. <laughs> it's a great sign. Really like and it's not all the civilization you're going to get around here. That's for sure. <laughs> you know what's funny with uh, you know the world we live in today. You know this concept of social distancing. We've been living it here in Wyoming for 130 years, and that six-mile buffer between us and our neighbors uh, we take very seriously. Paul was born and raised in Wyoming, about 200 or so miles north of here. He has the fit, figure, and tight lines of a man who has served in the military. As a young man, he left Wyoming to join the Navy and see the world. But eventually, he realized he wanted to come home. I miss the mountains. And, and so I came home and uh, bounced around a little bit and, and finally found uh, you know, the oil and gas industry. And I've been in it 20 years now and love all of it. What do you love about it? The people, first and foremost. Uh, when you turn on your gas stove, uh, you know, on the East Coast or West Coast, uh, you, what you're doing is, is providing a, a job to a very hardworking individual in Wyoming uh, in remarkably difficult uh, conditions. Paul's an outdoorsman, a hunter. He's also on the board of the Nature Conservancy in Wyoming. He's warm and approachable, the kind of guy who is good at networking and connecting people. He acknowledges that oil and gas extraction has an impact on the land. But he says Jonah takes research like Matt Holleran's seriously, and they've implemented some changes to back that up. First off, they're trying to disturb less habitat as they drill. Jonah Energy now voluntarily practices what's called horizontal drilling. Basically, the company drills one well vertically down into the gas field, and then from there drills horizontally below ground from that one well, and that means it can access much more natural gas without drilling more wells on the surface and disturbing as much grouse habitat. In the Jonah field, Paul told me all the power lines are underground to avoid creating new perches for birds of prey that will pick off sage grouse. And on the noise issue, the company puts up sound-reducing barriers around drill sites. Noise is something we've, we've taken very seriously out here in the Jonah field as well, especially during the lecking season when it matters the most. And yet the grouse numbers continue to decline. Sure, and, and, and we still have challenges. There's no doubt about it. In, in, in protecting sage-grouse and maintaining and enhancing sage-grouse habitat is still a, a, a very significant challenge for all of us in the West, in particular in Wyoming. We have more work to do. He's right. And it's worth looking at the state of Wyoming, for starters. These grouse-friendly actions Jonah Energy has taken, putting up noise barriers, undergrounding power lines, doing horizontal drilling, they're all voluntary. The state doesn't require these measures. Paul seems genuinely concerned about the birds, but he's also worried about the people in the oil and gas industry. Natural gas production in Wyoming has declined 37% over the past 10 years. People are losing their jobs right and left in the state right now. Uh, my nephew, uh, my nephew was making a living working in the Jonah field uh, with a service provider. He's no longer able to work. He's unemployed. Um, and, and hundreds of individuals in this county and the surrounding area find themselves in that same boat today, and it's, uh, it's heartbreaking. If you want to see a... <sighs> you want to see a grown man cry, you're seeing it. People in my family have lost their jobs because of what we're going through today. And uh, it's unbearable at, at times. It really is. Sorry. 
it's easy to just blame oil and gas and say this is why we're losing these birds. But there are other reasons for their decline, as you've heard about in this series. Wildfires scorching their habitat, overgrazing of livestock degrades the plant life the grouse depend on, invasive grasses move in and crowd out the sagebrush the birds need to survive. I asked pretty much every scientist I interviewed for this show, what is the biggest threat to sage grouse? And pretty much every one of them gave me a different answer. So there might have been a little bit of exasperation in my voice when I asked Matt Holleran about this. You could research this for the rest of your life, Matt. Like, yeah. and still not have an answer that can tell us clearly this is what we need to do or that's what we need to do. When I hear you talk, I'm just kind of like, okay, so we'll study this to death. And some people say we are studying this bird to death. No, I agree. And and maybe it's a product of pragmatism. Mm. I mean, I heat my house with natural gas. Mm-hmm. And uh, human population certainly isn't falling. And so you're, I mean, you're exactly right. There's so much that we don't understand that, yes, I could study this single lek for the rest of my life and not have a clear understanding on how to keep the grouse on this one lek. That, that, that's almost the nature of reality, isn't it? That there, there, there are no simple answers. right there is why I love reporting on science and the environment so much, and why it's so frustrating sometimes. These are multifaceted, complex issues, just like the people wrestling with them. And when it comes to sage-grouse, people may be at odds about how to manage the bird, but they're all connected, woven together just like this troubled ecosystem. They're trying to do the right thing, conduct research, make a living, and keep grouse around. And yet, the birds are disappearing. So who's responsible for fixing this? I want to believe it's about compromise, right? People coming together, scientists like Matt, industry like Paul Ulrich, and that we can solve these problems if we use science to make good policy that saves species. But the truth is, the more I look at the sage-grouse issue, the more I have my doubts about whether that's possible. Next episode, we'll get into that. Can compromise save sage grouse? With a guy who is done playing nice. Well, I, you know, I am very much the skunk at the lawn party. I'm the bad cop. I'm the the bearer of bad tidings and and, and reality. And that's politically unpopular. And that's okay. This podcast was edited by Whitney Henry Lester. Sound design is by Liza Yeager. The show is brought to you by Boise State Public Radio and the Mountain West News Bureau, with support from Lori and Paul Ahern. Grouse was produced in partnership with BirdNote Presents and was made possible with support from Jim and Birta Faulkner. I'm Ashley Ahern. Next episode, join me. We're heading into the Red Desert, where I gathered some of the most phenomenal audio of my life, sitting just feet away from mating sage grouse.